My Car Guru, Season 12, Episode 9. Hey folks, Lenny Lawson here. I don't have a, a weather report for you. I know it's cold. It's supposed to get down to like 7. That's cold. I mean, East Tennessee just does not like anything below 32 degrees. Well, there's some people do, like my daughters. They want it to snow. They've carried that over from school. I never really liked snow uh, as an adult. They're adults. Uh, they're late 30s adults. They shouldn't like snow anymore. Yeah, there's something that's supposed to kick in when you reach adulthood that snow is a no-no. But, you know, I became a pretty pretty good skier, though, as an adult. We used to be in charge of the youth at our church, and uh, we would take them on an annual ski trip. First time I, I ever went on the ski trip, I had never skied before. And so they put the skis on. Oh, it felt so awkward. And I'm fairly athletic, mind you. And so I said, where should I go first? And they said, go to the bunny slope. I said, what's a bunny slope? I said, That's where you kind of learn how to, to uh, snow plow, which is where you put your, your heels out and your toes together, hopefully that your skis don't cross, and you learn how to steer and stop. So I tried that a few times, and then you grab this rope, it's kind of like a ski lift, except you stay on uh, on the snow and it, and you just hold on to the rope and and pull on it, and it'll pull you up the hill. Well, I did that a couple of times, and I was way too embarrassed to do it anymore, so I said, let's go. Where do you want to go? Let's go to the top. That was an error in, in judgment because my confidence was far greater than my competence. So we went to the advanced slope, the very top, and um, just so happened, though, on the way up, I didn't realize, you know, you got these ski poles and you got your skis. And, and, you know, when you come to an intermediate stop, you have to lift your ski poles up out of the way and, and lift your skis up so that, you know, nothing gets caught. I didn't know that rule. So I lift my skis up, but I didn't lift my poles up. And my poles got stuck on the platform of the uh, stop there. And, of course, the, the ski lift is continuing to move forward. I fought it for just a brief second, and then snap, both of the poles snapped off. And what I had left in my hands were two daggers uh, with handles. And uh, so the next stop was the very top of Sugar Mountain. That's, where it, that's the name of it over here in North Carolina. So here I am, never been down a ski slope except the bunny slope. And I'm supposed to make it all the way down this, well, I wouldn't call it an advanced, like a black diamond or something like that. It was a, maybe a blue. I can't remember what it was, but it was intermediate. That's what it was. So it was an intermediate slope, but it was all the way at the top of the mountain. I had to make it all the way down without ski poles, just two daggers. And I was worried I was going to stab myself in the leg with the daggers, by the way. So anyway, I bet I fell 50 times coming down that hill. But by the time I got to the bottom, my athleticism had kicked in, and I was feeling fairly confident. I said, where do I get new poles? So I went and got new poles, went back up to the top, fell about 10 times. The next time I went down, I didn't fall once, as they say around here. So I did advance. I did get better. I was skiing, uh, skiing with some pretty good skiers, and once they stopped laughing at me and started helping me, uh, I picked it up pretty good. 
Does, does your confidence ever exceed your competence? You know, I see that a lot uh, with the last couple of days, watching people drive on snow and ice. Um, I see a lot of incompetence, a lot of people in the ditches, uh, folks that misjudged, you know, like a hill. Do you do that? Do you drive aggressively? I see a lot of aggressive drivers in snow. Normally it's a young guy in a Ram pickup truck, four-wheel drive, sometimes diesel. Sometimes it'll be a Chevy guy. Never a Ford person would drive like that. I'm kidding. Anybody in a four-wheel drive thinks that uh, that will keep them from ending up in a ditch. But what a lot of people don't realize is that it's really easy to go in a four-wheel drive, but it's just as hard to stop. And if you're on ice, you're not stopping very good. So what I see people doing, and maybe you have seen this as well, is people approach hills with different mindsets. I see folks that that approach a, a down, downhill run on ice in a vehicle with the same type of aggressiveness that they approached the hill as they were going up. And you can't do that uh, because gravity takes hold. I'll tell you another story, winter story that happened to me. I used to be one of those bold winter drivers. We lived on uh, this place called, well, this street called Dogwood Drive in a subdivision called Harrison Hills. Yes, the name is appropriate, Hills. So you had to go up a very steep hill. That was called Hope Road. And I mean, it was steep. And as you go up the hill, it's probably, I'm going to say, 300 yards long. As you get to the top, it keeps getting steeper and steeper and steeper. Well, I was in a 1985 Chevrolet Celebrity uh, Eurosport. It was anything but sporty. The only thing that was sporty about it was that the trim on it was black. It had nice wheels, too. But it was a wagon, Eurosport wagon. That was my family car. Had front-wheel drive. Of course, I was a relatively new person to front-wheel drive at, the, at that point. Chevrolet had come out with a Chevy Citation several years before that, which was the first front-wheel drive car I had ever driven. But I had driven enough front-wheel drives in the snow to say, well, wait a minute, this traction is good. You know why the traction's so good, right? Because the front wheels are doing the pulling, the steering, and everything. That's where the power goes to. Plus, there's about 65% of the weight over the front wheels. That's why front-wheel drives go good in the snow. Well, relatively good. So I said, okay, I can make this hill. It was covered with ice, folks. Well, it was packed down ice. It was really snow on top of ice. And in my exuberance, I decided I can take this hill. Well, I did. I took about three-fourths of it. When it got really steep and got near the top, I started spinning. I said, this isn't good. No, it was definitely not. It was worse than not good. Because as soon as it stopped spinning, I tried to put my brake on. It started going backwards. Now, this is a two-lane road, very steep hill. Uh, there's a bunch of trees on the left hand, or let's say going backwards, which I was. Uh, there are trees, big trees on the left hand side. On the right side are lawns and mailboxes. And so I started sliding backwards. As I accelerated, you know, trying to control it, I kept thinking, no, trees bad. Trees bad. Mailboxes also bad, but not as bad. So I aimed 
Tried to get between two sets of mailboxes. Didn't make it. No control. Took out both sets and ended up in the front yard, turned sideways. I was actually facing downhill when I finally came to a stop. And um, so that was my experience with slippery hills and going someplace where I shouldn't go. Would I have? Would I do it again in a four-wheel drive? No, because I understand that, you know, you really don't know what's underneath the snow. And when you're driving, today, when I was driving to work, it was just black ice. I mean, the, the road looked dry, but there was it was ice all over it. And it's so important when you pull out to test the road. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They just, oh, this is, I'm going pretty good. You know, they put it in four-wheel drive and they're just getting it on down the road and everything's great. But then they try to stop. And by the time they've slid through the intersection and uh, caused other people to go up, you know, off the road, then they figured out, well, you know, maybe it was slicker than I thought. Always test your brakes. And if you have a car with anti-lock brakes and you've never experienced uh, the sensation that you get, then I'll explain that to you right after this break. Yeah, my dad used to take me to... What's the name of that place? It was before. It was called Super K or Big K. You know, it was one of those big shopping centers. It was before Walmart, or before Walmart came to Tennessee. And he would take me to a big parking lot when it snowed. And he wanted me to uh, see what it was like to spin out. You know, to be able to lose control and then get control back of the car. And that was a good exercise because really. Um, well, it, it took a lot of the fear out of driving in bad weather. And eventually I got to the point where, you know, I was fearless, even when I shouldn't be, like when I'm climbing up Hope Road in a Chevy Celebrity. So, um, you know, you learn from your mistakes, though. But he did take me and we would learn how to control spins. And that was before the days of analog brakes. Now you have every car has analog brakes on it if it's a modern automobile. But many people have not experienced what analog brakes do. So before they had analog brakes, when you would slam on your brakes, the tires or the wheels would lock up, okay? And when they did lock up, if your front wheels are locked up, you can turn your steering wheel any way you want to, and it's not going to turn, and it's not going to respond because it's it, the gravity has taken hold. You've lost traction. You're moving forward. Whatever direction you were moving in, that's the direction you're going to be going in. With analog brakes, what it does is it literally pumps the brakes on and off, on and off, um, many, many times per second. So what it does is it enables you to maintain some degree of control, not total control. Because if you get on black ice, you're done anyway. I don't care if you do have analog brakes. But if you're on, yeah, if you've got a little bit of traction, the analog brakes are going to help. Where analog brakes really help is on you know, wet or dry surfaces when you really have to lock it down. Because what it does is enables you to steer out of the way. The steering wheel will still respond because of the on and off pressure on the brakes. Uh, it's saved a lot of lives. It's done other things as well. You know, and like the, the fact that, that there is a wheel speed sensor associated with the analog brake system means that you can uh, develop other systems like dynamic stability control, which is, allows a, a car and the computer system on the car to use brakes and throttle to keep the car going in a straight line. So if you were to go off the edge of a road, overcorrect. Instead of spinning completely out, the car will 
apply brakes to the left rear wheel, the right rear wheel, the left front, right front, in a manner to correct the spin. And see, you don't even know it's happening, but it is. Now, if it's an extreme spin-out situation, even dynamic stability control isn't going to help. But I'm telling you, dynamic stability, stability control came about because of analog brakes, and those two things have saved probably more lives than airbags have. Very important to know. Because when you put your foot on the brake today, you get a pulsating feel. You can actually, it, it's almost like somebody is down there pushing against the, the brake. You're pushing down on it, and they're pushing the opposite way, and you can feel it pump. And you can many times hear a noise. It's, the, uh, it's basically the analog brake pump that's making that noise, and it's controlling the, the pressure of the fluid in the braking system. And you might hear, uh, 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 kind of like that, and that's what's happening. The key here is to maintain brake pressure. Do not let up. You know, what a lot of people do, it's because they're old school. They learned to pump the brakes. If the brakes aren't stopping, pump them. And, but then you're, you're really counteracting what the ABS is designed to do. It's designed to pump the brakes. You mash those brakes as hard as you can to the floor and let the car do the rest. You'll still be able to steal the car, steer the car, not steal it. You'll be able to steer the car and, uh, Unless, like I say, you're on black ice. The key to avoiding that type of situation where you lose control of the car is to just inch along. Go extremely slowly. Apply pressure to your brake and then maybe let off, you know, when you top a hill. I mean, if it's too slick and you see cars all over the side of the road, folks, just turn around. Go home. There's too many people say, well, I think I can make it. Well, you probably, well, you might, but you might take out some mailboxes in the process. So just don't chance it. Now, I've heard over the years that, that a lot of people adjust the air pressure in their tires when it's really slick outside. You know, it can actually increase the amount of uh, tire that's actually contacting the road because the tire will kind of spread out as you drop the air. But it's not a good thing to do because it negatively impacts your ability to steer the car. So the, all of the experts recommend that you do not reduce tire pressure to get more traction in your tires. Uh, the most important thing is to make sure that you have adequate tread depth. And if you've got highway tires on your car in the winter, which most people do, I mean, most people have all-season tires around here, but, uh, and, and that's probably the best choice. If you're in a really bad area, you put snow tires on, right? And make sure if you're driving a front-wheel drive car that you don't put the snow tires on the rear. I had a, an elderly gentleman who I loved dearly. He's no longer with us. But he was one of the first buyers of the Chevy Citation, which was General Motors' first front-wheel drive car. And he came into the shop one day, and he had just been to the tire store. He came to get his oil change, and I walked up, and I said, Earl, what's happening? He said, well, I just got some new snow tires put on my vehicle, and... Uh, as soon as he said that, I looked on the front, and they were just regular tires. He'd put his snow tires on the rear of a front-wheel drive car. Um, that's not going to help the situation. I explained it to him. He said, oh, doggone it. I didn't even think about that. Why didn't the tire store say something? Good question. I had no idea. But, yeah, just make sure that you have adequate air pressure in your tires. If you've got uh, tire pressure sensors on your tires, the, it, the light's going to come on, you know, if you let the pressure out. 
And the pressure's going to drop anyway because of the cold temperatures. And a lot, we had a lot of people saying, hey, my, my TPS lights are on. And they are going to come on as temperatures get colder. And so you just have to put air in your tires. But please, make sure that you have adequate tread depth. You know, if your tires are seven years old and still have good tread depth, what should you do? Replace them. Why, Lenny? Because tires are supposed to last about seven years. Beyond that, they start getting cracks, and the rubber starts to deteriorate. They've never figured out a way to stop that from happening. And they get hard as well, and they just lose their suppleness, and therefore they do not grip the road very well. So if you've got old tires or worn tires, replace those tires. We sell a lot of tires at Gateway. You know, for a long time, uh, we were not in the tire business. And then Ford and, well, it was before we had Nissan, but Ford and, and Chevrolet, when I was a Chevrolet dealer, said, you guys need to sell tires. Well, we can't compete with the tire stores. And they said, you can now because we're buying them and selling them to you. So what, uh, you know, you think about the buyer, buying power, who buys more tires than Ford or General Motors? Nobody. So we were able to buy tires for what they buy tires for and sell them through our dealerships. And we're extremely competitive when it comes to tire prices and convenient because you don't have to, uh, you know, get your oil changed and all that stuff done at a dealership and then go somewhere else to buy your tires. And I'm not the only car dealer that sells tires. So make sure if you need tires, you don't have to go to a tire store. Maybe you have a tire store that's a good friend and you know, you like them and they do regular maintenance on your car and stuff. That's fine. Go to a tire store. But you might be able to buy the tires cheaper at the car dealership. So that's just a little bit of insider information. Okay, I'll take my last break, and I'll be back in just one minute. You know, I think everybody who drives, especially a new driver, should go to a extensive driver training school where they teach you how to handle spins emergency braking, emergency maneuvering, you know, getting around accidents. Um, you know, we always have to be on guard, basically, against other drivers. I've made the mistake recent times of watching too many YouTube videos of crazy drivers. If you get on there, it'll scare you to death just to go out on the road. Because usually it's it's people just not paying attention or cops, I mean, or police or people sorry, running from the police and being crazy. So, but still, you need to, to go to some type of driver's ed. It's, and what they teach in high school, they don't teach, they teach a lot of the basic fundamentals, but, you know, as far as accident avoidance and being able to handle situations like when you go into a spin, they can actually simulate a spin. They put a cradle underneath the car and they lift the car up to where it has very little traction. And then it's really easy to make the car spin, and they teach you how to control it. You know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, one of the first things you should do if you uh, go into a spin or a, a skid is to take your foot off the accelerator. Keep your foot off the brake and steer in the direction that the rear of the vehicle is skidding. In other words, if you want your vehicle to go right, turn right. If you want your vehicle to, to go left, turn left. Turn in the direction of the spin, and then that will help take care of the situation. Now, it takes a delicate touch, and really the only way to, to learn this is, uh, well, you know, tonight might be a good time to go out to a, 
you know, a big parking lot someplace, big business, big plant or something like that that has a lot of parking places, big parking lot. Now you got to be careful because I did that when I was in, in uh, well, I was probably 19 years old off of the Alcoa Highway in Knoxville, and I was driving a bunch of my buddies around, and we decided it was snowing, and we decided to go do just what I'm telling you, except they were drunk, and I was the designated driver, and they wanted to go spinning around. We did it in a bowling alley parking lot on the Alcoa Highway. Little did I know that there were three cops in their cop cars uh, right up there on the road and saw the whole thing, and they pulled me over, and they did not compliment me on my driving skill, but they did not take me to jail either. Now, if that had happened today, they probably would have. So make sure there aren't any police around if you're going to go do that. But it is a nice exercise. Uh, even if you don't do the spin thing, see what the brakes do. Take your car out. If you've never slammed on your brakes on your car, uh, whether it's dry or, sli- or you know rainy or if it's icy like it is right now, go do that. See what it feels like. Uh, it's a good way to practice for that situation that may may occur. So anyway, some winter driving advice from the car guru. If you have any questions about your car, its operation, buying a car, selling, trading, getting service, going to a body shop, I can help. 423-552-2020 or send me an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com and I'll see you next time.